0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: AstroLine. 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 Carbock Brewing Company presents Sports Talk 790 AstroLine. AstroLine. The official off season show of Astros baseball. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag AstroLine. That ball is gone! Four consecutive league championship series. Live from Pluckers Wing Bar on Shepard. Sports Talk 790 AstroLine starts now. Now.
0: What's going on? And welcome to Astroline Hot Stove, presented by Carbog Brewing, as we come to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd Drive, alongside one of my top three favorite number 27s ever to wear an Astros uniform, Jeff Blum. I'm Kevin Eschenfelder. Good to welcome you. In. Good to have you with us. Thanks for being here tonight to talk some Houston Astros baseball. As we got a lot to talk about coming up over the next 60 minutes, and the man that's going to do most of the talking is somebody you're going to enjoy because that is manager Dusty Baker. And let's face it, you know, hey, with all the things you can talk about right now, there's a lot of things that you want to talk about that people that are part of the organization can't talk about, or any organization for that matter. So we went down memory lane with Dusty Baker, and uh, we call it story time with Uncle Dusty, and we got that coming up in just a little while. But right now, first of all, and first and foremost, Jeff Blum joins us now. Blummer, how you doing, man? Hi. Hi. Good to have you with us. Man of many words. How's it
2: going? Ez? I'm good. How's your oh. off season going, dude? Mine,
0: mine has really been good. i working University of Houston football. Yet to get the rockets cranked up yet, but uh, you know, we will be doing that in short order. It's regular season in the NBA starting on December 23rd, and of course uh, that'll meld into Baseball season, as we hope. We'll be interested to see how baseball season starts <laughs> as far as not just the regular well, season. I'm, I'm curious. What, isn't,
2: isn't the COVID era of broadcasting just a perpetual Zoom meeting?
0: <laughs> That's a, all it, is. It, that in the in the things that we always thought what? were so set in stone and oh my and, gosh and I, yeah i'm the i'm the voice of University of Houston football just to give you an example uh, you know these college football schedules that are set 5 years in advance and and you know the season starts with with a cancellation one of seven cancellations that University of Houston had not by their own hand but by their opponents uh, i i'm literally going leaving for Waco to call a University of Houston Baylor game. 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Going to stay in the hotel that night, call the game the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, And I find out that Oh by the way, the game has been canceled. I thought this is crazy. And then so I it just turned
2: th- into a Bucky's run.
0: No, and, <laughs> and I didn't even get that far. I didn't even, <laughs> and I, that was the worst part about it at all. I didn't even make it to Bucky's. But uh, that, that's 2020 as we know it today. And uh, hey, it is what it is. And you just uh, one thing. We, I think it's taught us all is just to be adaptability, be a little bit more flexible. Oh, you're, you're, you have no really choice. You're getting
2: a real good idea of how to make sure you're pliable to work within some of these rotating rules that are moving around that we have to get inside. But We're doing the best we can, and right now, as far as we know, baseball season is going to get back. It's just a matter of how many people can get in the stadium. But uh, I think with the COVID and the looming uh, collective bargaining agreement, I'm really kind of curious to see what happens this offseason as far as free agency is concerned. And with all that concern, I'm really glad that we had a chance to talk to Dusty Baker and kind of take our minds off some of the woes of baseball right now and get back to, like you said, reminiscing on some of the good times, some of the, some of the uh, names that we remember watching as kids come up that have passed away over the last year. And, but Dusty is always one of the better uh, storytellers that uh, we have a chance to be around. We didn't have a chance to be around him this season.
1: Uh, that was
0: the most disappointing part. I, there were a lot of disappointing parts, but from us personally, was that chance to, to have that that interaction that ability to, to ask him about different players and I want to I want to preface this by saying you know everybody wants you to ask the hard-hitting questions there's just questions <laughs> that you just cannot answer a too early you don't know the answer to them yeah. B if you did know the answer to them you can't say the you know you, you, you can't say the answer and that's that's just That's just part of the business of baseball. I understand that. So I thought, why even worry about that? Let's just talk to him. Let's go down memory lane. Let's talk to him about Hank Aaron. Let's talk to him about Dick Allen. Let's talk to him about these different players Mm -hmm. that you and I grew up. And I'm a little bit older than you, but, I mean, we both. No, but I remember a lot of these names, man. I grew up in
2: L.A. watching Dusty Baker play with that 80s team. But then you start looking back and understand that he was – in the big leagues around the late
0: 1960s mm-hmm. and the generations he's played through has been unbelievable. Yeah, it really was. And it's a, it's a great conversation that's coming up in just a few minutes, but uh, you know, we think back about you know what happened in 2020 as far as this Astros team and it has the off season has it seemed? It's just been so disjointed as far as mm-hmm. you know, because the season didn't start until you know you're talking about July, and now you get to uh, well, you felt like you were just getting into it, and, and then, then the World
2: then, Series was over, and, and it was kind of a lackluster win by the Dodgers, and you kind of went, okay, well, what's next? You're waiting for something more, and it was never there. So I, I'm with you in the sense that it is kind of disjointed, and we are trying to we are trying to see or trying to forecast right now is virtually impossible in all sports. And speaking of virtually. They're having virtual winter meetings right now where usually there are some good, you know, good trades or there's some good signings and you have a chance to talk to some people and we just don't have
0: any of that right now. It's there's a big part of baseball missing right now. I'm curious too is that you know you talk here general managers talk about the winter meetings. It's not the deals that get done at the winter meetings. It is the deals that get started yeah. at the winter meetings, where the talks begin that, you know, maybe that trade didn't get, but 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 the genesis of it began at the winter meetings. i how that's cu- going. Yeah,
2: around. you start them over a couple of frosty ones, exactly. and you start to have the conversation, and you loosen up with a little bit of liquid courage, and you start to throw some names out there, and eventually things start to happen, and you make those conversations, so... I'm with you in the sense that there are, there are a lot of things that uh, we just don't know right now. But one thing we do know is that Dusty is the man here in Houston.
0: Hey, we want to remind you, to, we would invite you to hit a home run this holiday season. Who doesn't who want to do that, right? You have the home run holiday plan. Choose between 6 to 12 games in the upper and lower bowl and receive a special Astros holiday ornament with your purchase. Ticket redemption for the flexible plan will be March 2021. You can visit Astros.com slash plans to learn more. This is Astro Line, the hot stove uh, home, official hot stove uh, show of the Houston Astros presented by Carbock Brewing as we come to you live from Pluckers. When we come back, as promised, Dusty Baker will join us. That's next. Stay with us. Baseball season. It
3: comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go stros.
0: Welcome back to Astroline. Matt Bolts is our producer tonight. Our engineer, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Matt Bolts. Yeah, he's here. That's right. All right, hey. Welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing, live from Pluckers Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd Drive. We are presented, as always, by the good folks at Carbach Brewing. I want to remind you to join the Astros Virtual Buddies Club today. For twenty-five dollars, we'll ship you a buddy's backpack, socks, a hat. Lanyard, all right to your door. Virtual Buddies will also have the opportunity to be selected and exclusive virtual experiences that are continuous through the off season. Now, visit Astros.com slash Buddies for more information. Now, as we promised you, first of all, thank you very much, for everybody, for being here. We, hey, we got, the, man, we got everybody here tonight. We've got the retail department, Tom, Brandon and Brandon. What, what? Yeah, they're, they're here. Yeah, having a good time as well. Richard Tapia is here. and everybody that is somebody with the Houston Astros, they are here tonight as well. Hey, we told you we were going to visit with Dusty Baker, and we are going to do that tonight. Uh, Dusty going to tell some good stories, so you guys want to listen up. And we, we started off just a general question with Dusty and just wanting to know what does a major league manager do to occupy his time in the offseason? All right, Dusty, uh, I guess, you know, now you've had a little bit of time to reflect back on the season. Before we talk about the season, though, I'm curious, so what, is, what does a manager do in, in the middle of the off offseason? Uh, you're a little bit removed from last year and still removed from this coming season as well. So how do you occupy your time right now?
4: Well, hey, man, occupying my time is not an issue ever. <laughs> Trust me. And, uh, you know, I'm hitting every day with my son. He's working out because he's take, taking all uh, his classes online, so school's not in at, at Berkeley. And, uh, you know, that's been kind of a, a blessing, even though, you know, he hadn't complained. I know he wants to get back to school. And, uh, you know, I have a couple things going. I have, I have uh, you know, Baker Family Wines, which I go to most Saturdays. Um, but uh, as of today, you know, they shut down, you know, California. Uh, a lot of the restaurants and, and all the bars and just, just gatherings. And uh, so I'm spending most of my time at my office at Baker Energy Team trying to, you know, get, uh, catch up, you know, to get behind again next year. And uh, because I kind of put it on hold, while, you know, during the season, I was still doing some things, but, you know, my number one, you know, interest was, was baseball. But now that I'm back home, you know, like I'm spending, uh, you know, but probably four or five hours a, a night and a, I mean, a day in my office, I haven't started hunting or fishing yet because it's uh bluebird weather. It's cold, but there's uh it's feels like, early fall and here it is should December so it's just a it's a strange vibe uh, you know that we have going on here I don't know how it is back there but it's just just different
2: yeah things are a little bit different here in Texas and you are obviously a man of many talents and many interests but I want to go back in time a little bit and I'm always curious to ask guys who have retired you know and how it works in different eras as a player, what were your off-seasons like? Because now everybody's working out from day one in the off-season. But what was it like for Dusty Baker as a player during the off-season?
4: Well, I'll tell you, in, in the late 60s and probably into the mid-70s, my off-season was, uh, was was working out in the evening. But, you know, like you uh, had to work. You know, that that $18,000 one year to $21,000 wow. the next year, $45,000. <laughs> you know, the, you know, the next year, you know, we all had to work in the off season. And, uh, you know, we all had miles to feed, like Luda, Chris talks about, this, and this and, and and I did have miles to feed. and So, um, you know, one winter I sold cars, I sold the cars down in Augusta, the next couple of winters, I worked for Atlanta Life, I sold insurance, and, uh, you know, I always, I always worked. And I remember one year when I got to LA, I, I you know, I was a broker in 87, and so, but, you know, once I got into making pretty good money, probably in the late 70s through the uh, mid 80s, then I, uh, I, you know, it was about taking care of your body and, and working out much like the players do now.
0: Hey, Dusty, obviously, uh, last few months, it's it's been tough because we've lost some great ones. Lou Brock, uh-huh. Joe Morgan, uh, oh, Tom Seaver, Bob yep. Gibson. You know, And then you go back, Jimmy Wynn and Bob Watson, uh, you know, a few months ago, very close here to home. Uh, Dick Allen this past week. Uh, I, I, You know, you think back about that. I, I was reading about the stories, and that's why I love talking with some of the players that were able to play in that era. Uh, some of the stories that you might have about some of those guys. But Bob Gibson, I, I know – uh, the story that, 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 you know, Hank Aaron gave you some advice about facing Bob Gibson mm-hmm. for the first time. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you before you tell me the story, is, was it true that you've only been intimidated by two players, uh, two people, I should say, your dad and, and Bob Gibson? Well, that's true.
4: And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, I was just thinking last night, I've lost, I don't know, 16 to 18 uh, players, uh, you know, friends of mine. Uh, it was, a, you know, it was a tough situation, uh, you know, to lose those guys. Um, you know, just thinking, you know, what Dick had meant to me. And cause I spent, you know, some time with Dick Allen, uh, you know, like we all spent time together. Uh, and, uh, you know, how Dick, you know, used to hold out every year on his contract in the spring training. And that's, I was trying to copy Dick, you know, in my first couple of years, cause I held out in spring training and, uh, you know, he was a guy that, you know, that also helped me, you know, in my hitting. I mean, one day he asked me, did I play basketball? And that was kind of an insult to ask me, did I play basketball? And uh, i like, heck, yeah, I played basketball. He said, well, you don't look like it. He says, you're not pivoting. He says, your waist's not on the balls of your feet. And, uh, you know, he got me, got me hot again. But I think, you know, his brother Hank, you know, was sick. We were all worried about Hank, who had a couple of heart bypasses. And then now uh, Dick um, passes and, uh, you know, pass before he could make it to the hall of fame. Cause that's, you know, I wish, you know, that the hall of fame committee would, you know, would put guys in prior to them passing. And, uh, you know, the same with Ron Santo, you know, from before. So, uh, you know, I was just thinking of some of my teammates that have passed this year, you know, like, uh, you know, lesser guys, not hall of famers, but, you know, great guys like Jake Johnstone and, you know, Claudel. Washington and then you know the list goes on and on um you know you think about you know Lou Johnson uh, Bob Watson and in, in the Toy Cannon and Seaver and Al Kaline early in the year and uh you just think about you know some of the guys and what they meant you know to you and uh but I kind of knew the year was going to be a little tough on on, on possible deaths because You know all these great players, and uh, as you get older, you know I was I was one of the younger guys, but now I'm I'm 70, so those guys are anywhere between 78 to to 90 something, you know 90 something, uh, you know years old. And uh, so uh, I just hope that these guys could, uh, you know, stick around a little longer. If not, then you know there there is some greats in heaven right now.
0: What was the uh, what was the advice? I know Henry Aaron gave you a lot of advice, but what, but facing was it facing Gibson? Don't look at him. Don't talk to him. And if you happen yeah, to hit a home run, don't don't run too fast. How what did he what did he Oh say yeah, that? well I mean he told me he goes
4: hey he, uh, you know he don't like you butting on him. I said okay. Hey, he said well he don't like you hitting the ball back through the middle on him either. I said okay, and he says uh, if you get on first base, he don't like you stealing off him. I said okay, and then he says uh, if you happen to hit a home run. Don't be smiling, going around the bases. No, first he told me don't dig in, and then he told me uh, if you haven't hit a home run, he said don't run too fast, don't run too slow. And If you have to laugh and celebrate, you go up in the tunnel. And uh, one final thought: uh, don't uh, if he happens to hit you, don't charge the mound because he's a golden gloves boxer. He'll embarrass you. So I was like, well, heck, what can I do? And I had a 17 game hitting streak my rookie year, and uh, and ended that night when I
2: <laughs> when I
4: faced Bob Gibson.
2: We'll get into what you mean to the team currently, but I think it's kind of special for Esh and I to speak with you because you have played with so many legends and so many different personalities throughout the course of the game. You mentioned the toy cannon, uh, Jimmy Wynn and what he meant and how electric he was at his size. One of the things that kind of surprised me about Dick Allen is that you know, all the stories I heard was how hard he played, how aggressive he was, and then he swung a forty ounce bat. Yes, and he then did. I, and then I realized he wasn't a massive human being. He was one of those guys that needed to use his athleticism to succeed in baseball, but he did it great. Well, but he had big
4: old arms. This is what people don't understand. I mean, he had mm-hmm. huge arms and he was uh he was uh, kind of, you know, he used to hide them. You know, most guys, you know, you see Tech Klazki <laughs> and you see some of the you Know big arm guys, you know, um, mm-hmm. that are in the game now they show off their guns, but you know, Dick wore uh long sleeves every day. You know, he wore long sleeves because you know he was conscious of it, and uh, his bat was one of the bats that you would swing on the on deck circle as your heavy bat. <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, the guys like Felipe Lou used a huge bat, uh, Bob Watson used, oh, Orlando Cepeda, you know, he's, he was he. Used a huge bat and Dick used, I think, a P89, like 36, 42 or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they say you couldn't wrap the bat around your head, but he started it early. And uh, mm-hmm. you could do anything as long as you're in the launch position at the right time. And uh, I remember, you know, reading stories about Dick Allen about how, uh, you know, he was such a great base runner. And, uh, you know, that's something that's that you know you can be taught but basically it's kind of an instinctive thing and uh i got in trouble when i was a kid i read an article about dick allen that used to go around and knock the bulbs you know after the pedals fell off around around the, his you know his fence that you know he, you know held his horses because he was you know he loved horses and uh um, so you know he said he held out in spring training and that's how he got his timing and that's how he learned where the bad head was. And so I was like, man, I, I'm gonna try that. So I went out in my mom's rose garden and uh, I got in serious trouble cause I was, I had, I had rose petals everywhere.
2: And so <laughs> That's so outstanding. Her,
4: so my mom goes, boy, have you lost your mind? I said, no mom. I said, uh, you know, I, was, I read an article about Dick Allen that's what he did. And she goes, you are not Dick Allen. You're Dusty Baker. You wait till your dad gets home. So I, I need to say I've never done that again, but I try to have my son do it at home because I, you know, I raised roses and uh, now. A, but I was trying to wait till all the petals fell off. So I'm, I'm gonna go home tonight and, and ask him to, you know, work on his back control and just knock the buds off off
0: the off the uh, top of the, uh, the room That's that is that is gold right there. Hey, Dusty, what do you remember? I, I'm so thankful. For that I was old enough to remember the end of the careers of guys like Aaron. I didn't see I didn't see Mantle <laughs> play and people like that, but I, I I did get to see Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente and and guys like that at the very ends of their careers. Willie Mays even. Uh, what do you remember about the night that Henry Aaron hit 715?
4: Well, I remember it was a cold night. It was very cold. You know, I remember his kids were there, his mom was there, and uh, I, it was cold. And uh, Hank told me that he was going to get it over with right then. I was on, on deck circle. And I never doubted him anything that he said. I said, okay, man, I guess he said, you know, he's predicted to me probably 15 or 20 times. He was really schooling me about, okay, he's gonna throw me a slider away and then he's gonna follow with the fastball and go back to the slider. And uh, I didn't know he was schooling me at the time. And he told me that Al was gonna throw him something on the outside and he was gonna hit it over the left field fifth. And and he did, and he ran around the bases and then, you know, I didn't want to go, I could have been the first one at the plate, but I didn't want to go up there because that was Hank's moment, you know? So, uh, so I kind of waited back and then they had a ceremony and then everybody started leaving. And uh, I remember that I'm like, hey man, I'm about to hit you guys. You, you don't want to see me hit? And uh, all I heard was clank, clank, clank those seats and everybody was leaving. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a great moment. I mean, it was a relief to him. Uh, because, uh, uh, boy, that was a tough. That was a tough time for. Him.
2: Yeah, an amazing feat. It was great that he was able to do that. And you had a chance to manage a guy who eventually broke his record in Barry Bonds. Were there any similarities between the two of them as far as their approach or hitting? Or did you anticipate Barry Bonds being able to break Hank Aaron's home run record? Well, not
4: really. But 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 I, I tell you, you know that. Nowadays they say that you know you, you go downhill at 32, 33 years old, but you see is Barry and Hank and Mays and a lot of these greats, you know they actually put up some of their best numbers between 32 and 36 depends, and 37 depends, even 40 depends on how uh, body type, uh, if they lose desire to play, or if they or if they gain weight and lose the you know the rotation uh, on the fastball. But the thing that I, you know, uh, the similarities between them is that they have outstanding vision. Both of them have great, great vision. Um, uh, you know, they knew what was coming almost all the time. Uh, they had great concentration. You know, you couldn't lull them to sleep. I mean, you, you, you. Uh, I remember one time um, um, we were playing the, the Cardinals and Lynn McLaughlin, you know, bless his soul, uh, Bob Gibson had told him, I, I found out later, to, to, don't throw Hank Aaron a fastball. It's like trying to sneak, a, you know, sun up past a rooster in the morning. He'd throw him sliders all day and he'd do him one fastball and he hit it over the fence. And that was the same, same thing with, with Barry Bonds. Barry mm-hmm. Bonds would get one, maybe two pitches to hit a night, but you couldn't lull him to sleep. He was always alert. He was always, uh, um, you know, I mean, he knew he could hit. And the one thing that, that both of them did, they recognized fear in the opposition. And that's something that, you know, most, most guys don't, you know, don't recognize, Uh, you know, when you recognize that a guy's afraid of you, that he's not going to come at you and he's not going to do certain things to you. So, uh, you know, that was the thing. I mean, they had like tremendous vision and concentration.
0: Art Howe told me one time it it took him about a millisecond to answer this question. He said Mm -hmm. when, when Barry Bonds was good, when he was on, he was without question the toughest out he ever saw in baseball yes would you would you go with
4: that oh yeah for sure i mean because he had no weakness mm-hmm. you know i mean when he first came up he had some weaknesses but he closed those holes and he closed mm-hmm. those weaknesses and uh uh oh yeah i mean i mean this guy i think people forget he had like 373 and had like 200 walks i mean i don't know how many home runs he had that year but i mean it was almost nightly that that you just knew he was going to hit a home run. It was just a it was just a matter of how many home runs he was going to hit that night. And uh, oh yeah, he was a he was a uh, you know a very tough out. You know, but like he you know he was a student of the game. He came up uh, you know uh, at, at a young age, well, hanging around his dad and his godfather's Willie Mays, and uh, you know you can't do much better than that. And uh, you know he was like uh, you know one of the child actors that you see. You know, uh, you know Michael Douglas or one of the Sutherlands or one of the kids. You know that aren't um, intimidated or or even um, <clears throat> in awe of being on the set or being on the uh, you know at the big league ballpark. I mean, they felt at home from the minute you know that they got there, and I think that's a uh, you know a big big part of, of of playing in the big leagues is feeling that you belong in the big leagues because it takes some some players couple years to, to really realize where they are
0: or actually feel
4: comfortable uh, in their own
0: skin where they are. All right, time for a quick break. We should call this Story Time with Uncle Dusty. This is Astro Live. <laughs> We've got more to come from Flucker's Wing Bar after this
3: baseball season it comes and goes but crawford bach just flows and flows it's the bach to drink any time of year you don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer you can rock the bach at a music festival or rodeo shakespeare in the park or lowrider car show it's the box for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back,
2: let's go Strohs. It is Astro line. We are right here live and in person at Pluckers right off of 1400 shepherd drive. We have got Astro fans in the house and we have got shooting stars floating around. We are having a very good time here. Astro line hot stove is presented by car rock brewing and Hey, Check out the Astros Team Store in Union Station for all your holiday gift needs. Stop by Monday through Saturday for the latest Astros merchandise or call in and order for stadium side pickup. Visit Astros.com slash Team Store for more information. I did my Christmas
0: shopping this week. It's a good
2: time to do it. Thank you, fellas. The merch is there, and it is ready for you. I believe they may have some postseason stuff left over for you. Might be a good idea. 50% 50 off. Ooh, All right, Eddie. I'm out of here. You guys take the rest. We got Dusty Baker coming back on with us for another part. We are enjoying the conversation. We hope you are too. So right back to Dusty Baker we go. Uh, the way you guys finished was truly amazing. Could you give the fans at home an idea of what really clicked for your team when they got to the playoffs? Because it kind of limped in mm-hmm. and then obviously turned it on when it really counted.
4: Well, you know, the long reason why we limped in is because we were trying to get our bullpen together. You know, I think mm-hmm. we had – eight to ten, you know, blown saves in the eighth and ninth inning. That's quite a bit in a 60-game season. And, uh, you know, guys are still trying to learn how to how to be in the bullpen and how to warm up in the bullpen. And you give us half of those games, you know, that we blew, I mean, heck, we'd have been uh, knocking on 40, you know, 40 games because, uh, you know, one of the biggest downers in baseball, in sports, is, is you know, is a blown save. And so, uh, you know, we – our record looked like we limped in, but, but basically, uh, you know, like we were, we were a lot better than we played. I think we were built for the playoffs. And I remember Jose Altuve and, and different players telling me, Hey man, you just wait, wait till we get to the playoffs. That's going to be fun. And, uh, Hey man, uh, I don't know how they, you know, they turned it on, but they believed, you know, half of it is believing it. Uh, the fact that hey, if, we, if we get there, you know, you know, we're going to be a force and, uh, You know they never stopped believing, even when we got behind three to nothing uh, to Tampa Bay. I mean, they, they, and we, and everybody thought that, hey, man, you know, we're gonna come back. And then you win Game One, it's like, okay, I told you. Then Game Two, then Game Three, and uh, boy, you know, you know, we just get a hit or two, you know, along the way. You know, we'd have been back in this series again. But I was, I was proud of them on on how they responded. Proud of all uh, of all the young guys. That they have never been in that pressure cooker, never been down the stretch there, and and the veterans for leading them and showing them how to how to do it and uh, showing them the way.
0: Given all of the the challenges that everybody had to go through in twenty twenty during the baseball season, what was what were some of the biggest challenges that people not may not know about the things that you had to deal with on a daily basis? Not just you, but everybody yeah, in a traveling everybody.
4: party. Well, you know, you couldn't. You know, only have three guys in lunchroom at a time, only have four guys in the weight room at a time, only have, you know, uh, uh, four or five guys in the training room at a time. Those are some of the biggest challenges because that's when the team really comes together is is not on the field, but, you know, off the field or you couldn't play. The guys couldn't play cards on the on 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 a long road trip. And we had some long ones. You go from Houston to to, to Seattle and guys have to stay in their seats and you can't go talk to guys. Or I remember Michael Brantley telling me, he said, hey, man, uh, he's used to his routine. Everybody gets in a routine. And uh, his routine was to get up in the morning, go to Starbucks, get coffee, and then come back. And, and, you know, he couldn't go to Starbucks or guys couldn't see their relatives or, you know, the isolation of just going from the ballpark. It was tougher on the road, which I think was indicative of our road um, record versus at home. At home, you could go get, you know, food that you like. Uh, you know, you could, you know, you're being with your family and your kids. But when you're on the road, man, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I got in trouble one time for bringing in food, you know, to the, you know, to the Latin guys, and, uh, you know, they wanted some roast con pollo. so I went and got them some roast con pollo Well, they were used to eating hummus and couscous and stuff like that. And so, <laughs> you know, I got in trouble and and, and we had to, we had to discard it. You know, I mean, that hurt me right there. And then they asked me, you want your money back? I said, no, these guys want the food back. So, you know, that was probably the hardest part for me because for years I eat at my desk and uh, I go get my own food. I, I, I get what I like to eat. Um, Um, How nutritious it is, I wasn't sure, but uh, uh, I like what I like. And, uh, you know, that was some of the, uh, you know, some of the hard parts. of of, And, you know, you couldn't celebrate in the dugout. But, you know, a lot of this was necessary or else we couldn't have made it the way we did. And Mm -hmm. quite honestly, I don't know how we made it, um, um, you know, without more guys not getting sick. And, you know, and I'm looking at NFL and I'm looking at college football and, you know, I think basketball and baseball. You know, probably did it the best, but we don't have the same uh, contact that they have in, in football or basketball as a sport.
2: Yeah, a little bit different. And this being a, a virtual Astro line that we are doing from Pluckers and having the great Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros, on with us, we actually have some questions from outside that people have been emailing in or tweeting in, and we've got one from A at E. dot mm-hmm. HDZ four, and obviously. I know it got me right there. Twenty twenty has been a tough year. What was your favorite memory from this past season, Dusty? Um, probably, um,
4: probably after we uh, beat Minnesota. Yeah, um, you know that was probably because, you know, uh, the last few teams i had been on, we had trouble getting out of the first round, and that and that's always on your mind. And, uh, you know, that was my favorite because I thought Minnesota, you know, had a heck of a team. And, uh, and then Oakland, you know, they said they won us, they wanted us, and they, and they got us. And, uh, uh, you know, that was right after Minnesota, beating Minnesota, um, and then, you know, to beat Oakland, especially out here in California.
0: Is what you learned about this team maybe uh, the thing that you didn't know before there's that it factor of there's there's some teams that just have a that's a combination of players that you don't know what it is, but you know it when you see it. And that it is ability to win well, big games.
4: You know it's it if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't really it's hard to explain what the it is because everybody has to have it in order to, you know, to win. And, uh you know it's that it's that inner desire of, of of never quitting and always having that eternal hope on the inside that you know uh that uh, you know I you know I really remember uh, uh, that famous game between Boston and uh, uh the Yankees you know when when uh, Aaron Boone was like sitting in the dugout with with uh, uh Derek Jeter and Derek Jeter said the ghost will come and he came. But see. I mean, our ghost didn't, I, I don't really believe in ghosts. I don't disbelieve, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, you got to believe that some kind of way, you know, you will be rescued in some kind of way, you know, you're going to win. And this is what this team has. I mean, this team has been through some, some tough times before I got here. You know, they were losing hundred games,
2: like two or three years in a row and then they won 100 games three years in a row yeah can you talk a little bit about you know maybe the way an Altuve leads or an Alex right. Bregman or even a Zach Zach Greinke's kind of moved into that veteran leadership role too well that's a good question I mean you know
4: like you look at Altuve I mean you know he's one of the spiritual leaders and uh, you know he leads by example and not only that you know when he speaks people listen you know and uh um, you know, when you come to a new club, you're always trying to figure out, the, you know, the role of each guy. You know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, Carlos Correa, you know, is emerging as, as, as one of the leaders and one of the vocal leaders that's not afraid to, you know, to say what's on his mind. And you look at Alex, Alex is uh, is as strong as, as anybody there uh, mentally and, and spiritually where, you know, he states his mind too. And, uh, you know, he really... Uh, you know, don't care if you agree with them or not. If you ask him a question, you know he's going to tell you. And then you got yeah. You look at Yuli; he's a very quiet leader, but you know they all look to Yuli, you know, um, you know, for advice. And and you look at uh, Grinky. I mean, Grinky does his thing, but I mean, but you know, like you follow Grinky, and uh, you know whether he, whether he says let's go or not. You know, uh, uh, you know, it, it was a pleasure being around. Uh, you know, Greinke. Uh you know, he's a, uh, you know, a little different, but hey, that's what makes the world go around. You got to have different people, uh, uh, you know, in different ways, you know, on a team. And uh, I tell you, uh, you know, you look, you look around, you look at Michael Brantley, they call him Uncle Mike. I mean, Mike was, uh, you know, when he speaks, everybody listens. George was the life of the party.
2: I mean, so. You talked about Zach Greinke a little bit. And his leadership and being able to work with him and how much you enjoyed it and it kind of made me think about how how baseball how you've seen baseball evolve Mm -hmm. over generations over decades and it was it struck me that you were one of the few managers in the game right now that will actually extend a guy's outing you 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 showed faith in Fromber Valdez. You showed faith in Zach Granke. And then we watched the World Series, and Blake Snell gets taken out after two times through the order. I just wanted to hear a little bit about your managerial style or idea on how to handle pitching. And do you, do you like the idea of taking out a guy like Blake Snell in that situation?
4: Well, I mean, you know, each manager has to do what he has to do. I'm not going to second guess what they did over there um, or what I would do. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's no guarantee that no matter what you do is going to work,
2: <laughs> you understand? had a lot of success though. I, so I'd give you well, to do a lot of things. Right. I've
4: taken, okay. But I took Russ Ortiz out that, uh, <laughs> after six and I thought that, you know, that, you know, that he was through cause he was getting blasted pretty good. And then they came back and beat us and then people were like, Hey, why'd you take him out? And then, okay. If you don't take him out, well, why'd you leave him so long? And see uh, the thing about being a manager is that you're at the mercy of how the players uh, uh, produce, you know, if they fail, then you were the failure. And if they succeed, then they were the you know, a uh, successor. So, uh, you know, you know, the success was in their court. So, uh, you know, a lot of times the manager you just have to eat, whatever the results are because it's up to the players. And uh, uh, me as a manager, uh, you know, like I've always used uh, numbers. I've always used left-right uh, 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 matchups. I've always used first batter efficiency out of the bullpen or who's good uh, at getting the first batter out or who's terrible at it. His ERA is 0. 0.86, but he's given up uh, uh, everybody else's runs. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, these are things that you have to, you have to weigh. Uh, you know, a lot of times – you know you're stuck uh, at the fact that okay, what do I do? And sometimes you just hope. You hope and you pray, <laughs> and like I did with Grinky, I was hoping he'd get out of there, and get out of that inning because, you know, uh, sometimes you have to say who else do I have that's better at getting yeah. out of this situation and better at getting out of trouble than than Zach? You know, like who's been in trouble the most? that I have out there. I mean, the guy has 220-something victories, and you can't tell me that he wasn't in trouble at some point in time with bases loaded. And, um, um, you know, you have to, uh, uh, you know, sometimes, um, you know, like my dad told me, you know, when I got caught up in that tree for about the third time, he told me, you got to find your own way down sometime. (laughs) And if you don't let them find their own way out of that tree, then they'll never learn how to get out of the situation with bases loaded. And I mean, you make one pitch, boom, you pop a guy up, there's a double play. Well, you've, you've just, uh, 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 you know, created a pitcher that knows how to pitch and not, they not uh, worried about being, uh, you know, rescued. And so, uh, it's all part of the, you know, uh, maturation pro- uh, process of, of each hitter, just like sometimes you don't pinch hit for a guy, you know this guy might not get a hit or doesn't have a good chance of getting hit. But if he happens to get a hit, now you got a player that's building on, on, on uh, confidence. And I'm big on showing confidence, uh, you know, in my players because uh, there are some managers, particularly Tom Lasorda, that showed confidence in me and 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 helped change my. Uh, you know, career around when I was going downhill. I came in the league, you know, third in the league and hitting, and I thought it was going to be easy. And then I started going down, down, down. I hit rock bottom and had to climb my way back up. And so, uh, you know, I try to use a combination of knowing the personnel, some things that happened in my background, some things that other coaches have, have, have done to me. And there are a lot of coaches that have done, things for me, but been there have been some other coaches that taught me how not to be, which is as important as how to be.
0: Was that one of the big challenges with this season, though, is knowing that you you have those different factions? You've, you've got a Zach Grinke that, that's been there and done that, and you manage him a certain way or handle him a certain way, whereas it may be a, some Anoli Paredes who you want to build that confidence, but at the same time, you got to win baseball games in certain yep. situations or question well, Javier, whatever the well, case. That's a, good, be. That's,
4: a, that's a good question. I mean, and that was really tough in the 60 game season, you know, I, I mean, do you have, how much time do you have to, to, to maybe lose a game while you're trying to build a confidence? And, and also the the challenges were uh, for me is that I didn't know these guys, you know, um, I was just about to get to know him in spring training in that month. You, you know, it takes a lifetime sometimes to learn about people. You know I mean, I mean? I mean, people will will surprise you. And then and then we're off for a month. And then we came back for two weeks. And then is that enough time to get to really know somebody? Is that enough time to, to I mean, a guy, to, just because the guy's quiet, that doesn't mean that he's he's not confident and, and another guy who's boisterous and the loudest guy in the room, that doesn't mean that he's, he, he's confident, you know what I mean? I mean, so it's like, uh, that was a challenging part, you know, for me as a manager to try to win ball games, but try to learn your personnel so that you could put them in a position, you know, position where they were most likely succeed.
2: Yeah, there was definitely challenges throughout the course of the season that you had to deal with, and I've actually got another question from uh, from the outside, and this is at underscore Billy 2.0. Oh, I practiced that while you guys were talking, so I uh, got that right. But uh, in all of your years as a manager, what has been the most difficult obstacle to overcome?
4: Probably, well, uh, personally, you know, the, the fact that um, – uh, you know, being an African American manager, you don't, you rarely get credit for for uh, uh, being an intelligent uh, person or being an intelligent uh, part of the game where people are like, oh, yeah, you're not a strategist, you're not this, you're not that, and not to listen to, you know, to other people. Uh, because, uh, you know, when I look back at my record, I must have been something because uh, uh, I've heard all the things that I'm not, but yet still, uh, you know, I've beaten most of most of the teams. Or, you know, not. I don't want to start saying what I've done. I mean, you know what I've done. So, uh, so I've kind of relished that role since it was given to me. Uh, you can say whatever you want to say. But at the end, the end of the day, uh, my teams will probably win. No matter, no matter. You know who we have on the team.
0: We know you're a good manager. We also know that you're a great storyteller. And I'm telling you, man, I cannot cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation with you we wanted so much to sit down and talk if i'm ever in northern california man i want to just come to your house and and hang out and listen could you you imagine
2: sitting down with dusty baker and a bottle of wine oh my i mean my goodness that that was what i was looking for until this whole covid thing hit dusty i because i grew up as an 80s kid in la watching you play with all those guys and i mean i'm gonna wear you out when i get near you that's cool, man, you, brother.
4: <laughs> I'm just hoping that we can get the, you know, we can we can go, yeah. you know, no. have a drink, or we can go have a, I don't know, a whole bottle of wine anymore. But I can have a, <laughs> I can have a glass, and I can have a glass of scotch. You know, that's like all whatever. I'm asking. That'd be great. Oh, yeah, like John Lee Hooker says, one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. So that's <laughs> about my living now.
0: You know, there are certain people in baseball. You go, man. I'm glad I got to know that guy. We haven't really gotten a chance to know Dusty Someday. Baker but when we do he is going to be one of those guys.
2: Yes he is. He's he is a lot of fun to just talk to but to be around would take it to another level.
0: That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Dusty Baker, chance to, to take a trip down memory lane and listen to some of the stories from guys that he played with the guys that he knew all too well. We want to remind you that, uh, you know, you can come see Minute Maid Park this holiday season and get a behind-the-scenes tour of the ins and outs of the stadium. You can sit in Jeff Blum's chair that he broadcasts games from as well. Just from don't take my jacket to the press box, and to the warning track, and to the manual scoreboard. We guarantee you that you've never seen Minute Maid Park like this. Book your tour today at astros.com tours. Did you leave your jacket there in the off season as well? I know it stays there whenever there's road trips, so you can have it when you come back. Yeah, the joke this year was that I wore
2: one sport coat for all 30 games we called at Minute Maid Park, and guess what? The jacket's going to be a little dusty when I get it next time. And I was thinking maybe
0: it? It, it, it didn't need a it, – it, get it? I get the dusty <laughs> – it didn't need a hanger. He just, he just stood it in the corner. At the I end just the rested season. it on
2: the chair. There you go. Yeah, it right. just stands uh, up by itself. More to come. We'll wrap things I up. I put it, it around is- my cutout. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have mine at home, by the way. It's really kind of creepy, actually. Yeah, it is. All right. Uh, AstroLine, it is presented by Carbock Brewing as we come to you from Buckers Wing Bar. More to come here. We'll wrap things up in just a moment. Stay with us.
3: Baseball season, it comes and goes. But Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go strows.
0: Hey, welcome back to Astraline presented by Car Good to have you with us here Plucker's Wing Bar. As we come to 1,400, Shepherd once again another good show here tonight. And uh, man, the the stories from Dusty Baker, the the whole. I hope you caught the end of that right before we went to break. But that uh, let's uh, coming over and, and talking baseball and hearing those stories would just be absolutely. Fantastic.
2: No, the possibilities are endless when you get around Dusty because you, you can hear it in the interview when we ask a question. He kind of ha- he knows what the question is and then he can kind of relate it to his playing days or who he played against and then bring it back to the current ball club. But for me, being a kid who grew up in the 80s in L.A., I, I would love to sit down and share that glass of wine with him and ask him about some of those 80s teams I grew up watching.
0: I, we know all too well that there's a lot of free, agents, uh, free agent things going on around baseball. Of course, obviously with the Houston Astros, we know the names. Do you expect that, given the, the current financial situation, a lot of teams lost a lot of money, Yep. are you expecting to see guys sign relatively soon or later on?
2: I think if you don't have a chance to get one of the big dogs out there, you go out and you find some guys that you think will be able to fill the hole and give them a price that you think is affordable. And maybe some of those players will have the same idea that the owners do, that this is going to be a rough offseason. Take the money when you can.
0: That is going to do it for Astro Line, presented by Carbach. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight at Pluckers Wing Bar. Thanks to the retail department, Tom, Brandon, Brandon. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much. Matt Bolts for being with us as well. Bob Elliott back at our studios. I'm Kevin Ashenfelder. He's Jeff Blum. Next week we'll be right back with you as it'll be Steve Sparks coming up with Bill Brown. We'll see you next week. Peace.
1: Astro Life. You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 AstroLine, the Astros' official off-season show presented by Carbock Brewing Company. AstroLine. On Sports Talk 790, home of the Strohs. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best